Let's begin with a word of prayer. Our Father, who is great and greatly to be praised, you are above all other things, all other creatures, all beings. You are the uncreated one. And so you deserve our full attention. When you speak, let your servants listen. And so we want to do that just today, God, that as we approach your word for the short time together, that you would speak to our hearts, to our lives, that we would not just hear your word and go away unchanged, but that you would transform us uh, by being in your word. Even this morning, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I don't know about you, but uh, daily when I realize my own sinfulness, uh, the ways in which my heart or my actions are just live contrary to the heart and the um, commands of God, that I hear what God has said in his word and I cross that line. I don't know about you, but for me, I don't grieve that enough. I don't sense that enough. I, I am not bothered by that enough. And it, it, that happens because I'm not a man of the word enough. I don't know the word as well as I ought. And I hope that you would also recognize the same for you, that as much as you may study for year after year, 20 years, 30 years, 40, 50 years, as you study the word of God, you might continually realize, I don't know this word well enough because I see how I'm not transformed by it quite enough yet. Here in our passage this morning in Psalm 119, I want to look at a few verses with you. Psalm 119, what we're going to see is really the way that God has designed for you and for me to be guarded in our way of life is by his word. And obviously his word is the, the Holy Bible authored by the Holy Spirit through his servants. We know that God has spoken this word, all of it, to us for our good. As 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all of Scripture is breathed out by God and it is useful. Well, it's useful for what? Well, for correction and for rebuke, ultimately for godliness and for training in righteousness, so that we may be equipped. So then, when we are people who are not as familiar with the Word, or we don't spend as much time chewing on the Word as we should, or, or meditating upon the Word, then our ways may be off. Here in Psalm 119, let me read for us verse 9 through 16. This is the word of God. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight, as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Amazingly how that section of this psalm ends I'm not sure if you can echo those words in verses 15 and 16 that I meditate upon your precepts. I fix my eyes like I will do this. 
I promise to do this. I will meditate. I will fix my eyes. I will delight. I will not forget your word. I don't know if you've ever had a child tell you um, when they've disobeyed, I forgot. Um, I think far too often you and me are like that before God, whether it's genuine or just that we have not actually um, taken the time to remember or listen or take heed to the word of God. He says very end, I will not forget your word. I don't know if you, like many, many people have forgotten your own glasses on your own head or the keys that are in your hands. You, you forget where they are. We are a people who are so broken that we can't even remember important things or, or insignificant things, let alone the very words of God. But he has this, um, this promise, this, this intention that we see at the end of these, the two verses here. I will meditate on your precepts and I will fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And I wonder if you could say the same thing. What happens is, when we realize the value of God's word, we want to make these words our own. We, we desire to make these words our own. We, we beg God to make these words our own prayer, our own promise to him. And that should be our aim. As we come to the word of God, which is for us and for our sanctification, and, and as it transforms us, it's for the glory of God. Whether that's through our obedience to it in telling others, whether it's in our just a general obedience in it so that we might become more like God. Either way, God is glorified as we are people of his word. This section, which I, be, which I read, began in verse 9, asks the question, how can a young man keep his way pure? Um, it's interesting because we know that young men are often more or, or less pure or are more prone to um, just follow after the flesh than young women, per se, or older, wiser men. And so here it just talks about an immaturity. How can immature young men keep their way pure? How can they have a, a moral compass that says, I choose right and not wrong? Here's the thing. When you approach this text and you think that's just about young men and about moral or sexual purity, and you disregard it for yourselves, then you are already in danger. You must ask of yourself, well, is there ways in which I'm not pure? Are there ways in which my eyes or my thoughts or my, my attitude is not pure? It's not right. It's not holy. It's not in step with the heart of God. Well, of course there is. You and I are sinners and we, we fall far short of God's glory. So then we must ask too, well, how, how can a young man keep his way pure? Well, how about me? How can I keep my way pure? It answers by guarding it according to your word. If you and me are to live a pure life, a life that glorifies God, a life that sets him on display as our greatest treasure, our joy, the transforming power within us, a life that is producing fruit of godliness, that kind of purity, that kind of life that we are to attain to in Jesus. If, if we are to have that sort of life, how does it happen? Well, it happens when there are guardrails, 
When there are boundaries set, when there are fences put up that we cannot cross over, with its walls need to be put up, there is guards in place. You think about even prisoners. Well, the way that they are not to get out and not to go over there and repeat the crime is there are guards. First, the bars, and then actual men called guards who watch over who, who keep behind, who protect, who prevent from going to a certain place. And so the question is, if you and me are to be pure, what are the guards in our lives? Well, here it says we're to guard our way, to guard our life, to guard our thoughts, to guard our attitude, to guard our steps according to the word of God. The Word of God is to act to us as a guard, as a rail, as a prevention matter. It is the way in which we know what is right and what is wrong. It's the the very thing that is to be a hurdle to us to impurity. Our natural inclination within us is fleshly. It is anti-God. It is um, selfish in every respect. But if we're to be guarded against that, we must be guarded by something. And it's the the Word of God taking root in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, transforming us, guarding us. So that teaches us first and foremost, if we're to be guarded from impurity in our lives, well, the Word of God must be present in our lives. And that's that's a question for you to ask of yourself. Like, how present is it? If I'm to think about my life and, and all around me in every direction, is there a guardrail up? Or are there areas of my life, or are, is there um, parts of my life that I don't have any guard? That I, I think the Word of God has not impacted that area of my life yet. I do not know. Uh, I wouldn't be able to bring the Word of God to bear on that part of my life. Whether it's um, your finances. Maybe you've not allowed the Word of God to transform the way you think about money. Or maybe it's that you haven't allowed the Word of God to guard your, your, what you watch on television. And there's no real guardrail up. Or the guardrail is so far that it's not really the Word of God whatsoever. Maybe your own sense of shame uh, that's not in step with the Word of God. So you must ask, like, is the, the guard up? Or is there open opportunities for impurity? Is the Word of God present in my life? And how present is it? Do I know the Word of God? Do I read the Word of God? Do I intake the Word of God? And that was where I began with my confession is, I admit that there are so many uh, faults in my own life, so many failures in my own life, so much sin in my own heart and my own actions, because I know that that guard is not there. I know that there is so much laziness in terms of my own Bible reading and my own Bible routine. That there is no guard in certain areas. That if I really was a prisoner desiring to get out and my sinful flesh really wanted to get out and go be impure, guess what? It has much opportunity. Because I've left much of my life, much many hours of my day where the, the Word of God is not guarding it, perhaps. And so I'm not sure if that's true of you or, or, or as well. But I pray that we would ask this sort of question about not just as young men or or thinking about one type of purity, but think about all of life and all of purity. How are you to remain pure? By guarding it according to the word of God. 
He says in verse 10, he says, With my whole heart, with sincerity, I seek you. I, I want this. I want you above all things. So let me not wander from your commandments. You know, the hymn, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Do you feel it? Do you know that your inclination to wander away, that that is just natural? If you're to set the cruise control, that you're, you're going to wander away from God. You're going to wander away from doing what is right. You're going to wander into things that are not honoring to God, that that is your natural inclination. Do you know it? Do you feel it? Are you aware of it? Because if you're not, then you are in grave danger. Many people think that we can just kind of coast through the Christian life. That once Jesus saves us, we're in. We have our get-out-of-jail-free card because guess what? All of our sin has been paid for on the cross by Jesus. Yes and amen. And so they think that if they just name that, claim that, and, and carry the card and say, Look it, I, I confessed that one time in my life. Now I'm coasting here. If your life is coasting here, you can be guaranteed that you are wandering guaranteed life is an upward battle towards purity because it's it's everything against us when it comes to a moral a pure life it is everything against us when we are seeking god that is not a natural inclination that's not where you just float in the lazy river if you're floating in the river without any sort of real sense of the battle real sense of the struggle real upward press then you are wandering and you are floating down the, the, the river of immorality far from God. So we must be aware of our, our proneness to wander. And so David here is praying. With my whole heart, I seek you. Like I'm desiring to, to come after you. That's what I want to pursue, to seek you. Because I know that left to myself, I wander. So he says, let me not wander. It's, in the, it's echoed in the Lord's Prayer where it says, lead us not in temptation, like, like deliver us from evil. This is what we need because that's what I am naturally bent towards. If I'm left to myself and the word of God is not in my life setting up guardrails, I'm going to walk right on by and I'm going to walk right into what pleases me and not even consider necessarily what pleases God. I'm prone to wander. Verse 11 is beautiful solution i've stored up your word in my heart that i might not sin against you the way in which we do not sin against god the way in which we do not break his commandments the way in which we do not idolize things or put things above god wrongly is by storing up the word of god in our hearts not just being aware of it externally not just hearing it from someone else not even just reading it but storing it up in our hearts, allowing God to write it on our very hearts, the very thing that makes us tick, the very affections that we have. Is it controlled by the word of God? Have you taken time to store it up in your heart? That means memorizing the word of God. Have you taken the time? As difficult as it may be, and the, the older you get, and I even realize this, and I'm not that old, the older you get, the harder it is to memorize. Maybe it's because you've got so many more distractions or things to concern yourself with or your brain's only working so fast. But reality is, it only gets harder to memorize. 
And maybe you know, maybe you've been a saint uh, and, and of God's child for a long time, 50 years. And you can remember the, the verses you memorized as a kid. You know, in Sunday school or growing up, you can remember those. But you can't remember where you left your keys today. And so you realize that one of the things that these young men, especially, verse 9, a young man, a new believer, a, somebody who's immature, the best thing for them and the best thing for you and for me is to store up God's word, to memorize God's word. Because it's going to be those situations where your Bible's already on the shelf for today and, and, and there is an extra serving of brownies on the table and you're full. But those brownies are calling your name. If you have the word of God stored up in your heart, you're going, to have, you're going to have things that are coming up that are going to tell you about gluttony, about contentment, about godliness, just about self-control. If that's in your heart. But if, if the word of God is not really taken root in your heart, whether it's through memorizing a certain scripture, then you're just going to take another brownie and you're going to enjoy it. But that might be sin against God. It might be. That's the crazy thing. Sometimes we don't think about that. Something as simple as taking another brownie might be sin against God. You must be able to have God's word come to bear on your life. Like at the end of this where he says, I meditate upon your precepts. That's where it's beginning to like chew on God's word and allow it to nourish you and go, yeah, those are parts of my life and things that I didn't even think about or consider in my immaturity. The more we meditate on it, the more it's in our heart that it can transform the way we think and apply it to our own lives. I've stored up your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. We're just prone to sin against God all day long. If, if you, you ought to be aware of where you're tempted. You ought to be aware of where you go in excess. So the good things that God has given us, he's given us food. So here's the thing. Do you know how to guard your heart against excess when it comes to the things that God has given you? Are you able to control and guard your heart against too much food, too much sex, too much sleep, too much whatever? The good things that God has given us, are you able to guard your heart? You know the limit that God says, no more, or else it is sin. You've indulged in that thing far too much. You're consumed by that thing far too much. You've taken far too much of your mind on that. Do you know where the guard is? Do you know what is actually sin? The only way we know what is sin is when we are guarding our lives according to the word, that we are seeking God with our whole heart so that we're not going to wander, and that we're storing up his word in our heart, allowing it to take root. And that's why I love in the end in verse 15 and 16 again, the idea of meditating on his precepts. It's not just a meditation like the world thinks meditation is just empty your mind, try to focus on your breathing and nothingness. That is foolish. That is dangerous. Meditation, when it talks about meditation in the scripture, is, is, a, is a chewing on, a, a cycling again and again in order to get all the nutrients out of every little bit, every little word. Do you understand it? When even, if you think about, all right, meditate on verse 15, I will meditate, okay? I. It's not about someone else getting this verse. It's not about anyone else chewing on this and understanding it and being able to apply it. No, no, it's about I. I. And it's about willingness. I will. It's about determination. I will. Will I? 
Will I meditate? What does it mean to meditate? This is what it means. It's to chew the words apart and begin to apply it. Have I determined to meditate on God's precepts? That itself, what I just did there, is meditating upon this verse, verse 15. The question is, do you do that? Are you able to sit down with your Bible, take a verse, and chew on it? To savor it? To to get as much value as you can out of every word? Or are you just trying to get through and check off a box? There are seasons of my life where that's been the case, you know, where I'm just trying to do my Bible reading plan and I just tick a box and I've, I've read it, I've skimmed it, you know, I get it, I've read it before, but I've not really taken the time to meditate. And I find in my life, when there are, there are those seasons where I am more prone to just kind of read, skim read, um, I'm also more prone to sin against God in my thought life, in my actions, because I've not taken the time to allow it to, to uh, take root in my heart. To, to change me. The Bible tells us what is right and what is wrong. It, and it might fill our heads all day long. You might be able to memorize chunks of it. But is it taking root in your heart? And it only does that through meditation and through going back again and again and again. Verse 16, he says something that's profound. I will delight in your statutes question I often face myself is, why don't I love this more? Or, why do I love this thing more than I love God's Word? Why do I love just flipping on a TV show more than I love opening up God's Word? When I want to relax, when I want to feel content or feel satisfied or just, you know, serve myself in my own sinfulness, why is it easier to just browse through Twitter than it is to go to the Word of God, which speaks truth to me, which speaks comfort to me, which speaks joy into my life as a child of God. Why is that? Why don't I delight in His statutes more? And I, I hope that you consider that yourself too and think about your own delights, your own affections. But here's the thing. Just like you cannot manufacture real love towards a person, You cannot manufacture real love, but you can grow in it, and you can try in it, and you can find things that are lovely or lovable about things or people, and that's where you can begin. You know, if you're having a hard time loving a person, a neighbor, what you start to do is look for things that, look for the positive, right? Look for things that are good in them. Hey, they're created in the image of God. All right, I'm going to start there. So... Based on that, I have to love them. Uh, hey, you know what? They, they're, they're not that loud of a neighbor. That's, that's a great thing. I love that about them. And So you begin with those things, the things to be grateful for, thankful for, the things that God provides. If that's how you begin to love a neighbor, well, then how then do you begin to love God and love his word? Well, you begin to see things that you can delight in, things that you take joy in. The goodness of God, the grace of God, the love of God, the the. the unchanging God who you find in the text, the the promises of God. What do you delight in? Like, are you mining those things out of the Bible so that you might, again, more and more delight in it? Because if we do not delight in this text, if we have not uh, loved this Bible, then we're not going to meditate upon it. 
We're not going to take the time to chew on it because we haven't realized its goodness for us. It's kind of like kids and, and myself, to be honest, with some vegetables. You, you don't see the benefit, and so you don't take the time to chew on them and to ingest them. Is the same true of you and of me with the Word of God? Do we delight in it enough? Do we see the benefit of it? To meditate upon it? Because that is so necessary if we are going to guard our lives, to keep our ways pure, if we're to not wander from God, if we're not to sin against God, have we stored up this Word which we meditate upon, which we delight in? Have we stored it up in our hearts? So let that be a, a challenge for you and for me this week as, as maybe you read the Word of God, maybe you read a chapter a day, four chapters a day, two verses a day, whatever it may be. Have daily Bible intake, but make sure it's not just checking a box. It's not just reading words on a page. It's not just uh, familiarity, you know, uh, or just going through the motions. Let your reading of God's Word this week, from this day until the next day, let it be transformed. Slow down if you need to. Take notes if you need to. Uh, use a pen and a pencil if you need to. What is it that you need to be able to say, Hey God, draw this out so that I might delight in it. Take this word and implant it on my heart. Put up a new guard here. Guard this way of my life. Guard this time of my life. Guard this, this um, temptation in my life. We must know what is sin against God. And the only way we know that is by the word of God. And so my challenge for you this week from this word for me and for you is guard our lives according to God's word. Seek him with our whole heart. Store up his word so that we might not sin against him. The more we do those things, those practical things, the more that we will delight in because we realize the benefit of, the joy of, the, the more we meditate upon God's word, the more the word will guard us and will show us our sinfulness, but show us the goodness and the grandeur of God. He says, verse 12, blessed are you, O Lord. He, he can only conclude that. He can only know that. You and I can only know the blessedness of God, the, the praise and the glory due to God when we know God. And the only way we know God, yes, through his creation, but more than that, through his unchanging word. Blessed are you, O God, so teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare. Are you declaring the word of God? Is the word of God so transforming your life and so transforming your affections and your loves that you're declaring it? Oftentimes you might ask your own self, it's like, why don't I want to share the word of God more? Why don't I share Jesus? Like, I, I know I should. Well, the question is, do you know the word? Do you love the word? Is the word transforming you? Because if, it, if it's not transforming you and you know, don't delight in it and you don't know it, you're definitely not going to share that thing. The things that, that you love most, whether it's the, the car dealership or the whatever that you have benefited from, you're going to share. You're going to tell people, hey, go to this guy. Uh, buy this product. Do this thing. Well, even, even when I think, you know, I was reading a book this week about not using you know, worldly marketing schemes to market the church or to market the gospel. You don't need to do that. You don't need to advertise the gospel like the world does. The best advertisement, the best way for people to get uh, the game and to understand what's true is to see someone who's been changed by it. Right? If you've been changed by a product, word of mouth and a recommendation, a review is the best way for someone to know a product is trustworthy, it's true, it's good, it's reliable. 
The same is true about the gospel. The same is true about the word of God. Do we know it's true and trustworthy? Do we know that it guards our lives? Is it evident in our lives so that we might proclaim it? You say, hey, you know what? I used to struggle in this area. I used to be controlled by anger. I used to be um, ungrateful. I used to sin by gossiping. I used to sin in all of these ways. But the word of God began to guard my heart as I meditated upon it, as I chewed on it, as I stored it up in my heart, as I sought God day in and day out so that I might not sin against him because I know that I'm prone to wander and I want to keep my way pure because that glorifies my God. Will, will you do that this week? As Even as you chew over this word again, as you chew over these verses and ask, God, what is it about me? Where is there impurity in my life? Where do I wander? How do I sin against you? Ask those things. Where is there impurity? Where do I wander? How is it that I wander from you? And how do I sin against you? Maybe it's an action, but maybe it's an attitude. And so ask yourself, have God reveal those things to you as you read his word this week so that you might pursue him, so that you might Come after him and come under his word that he might transform you and you might all the more delight in it and go, it's good for me that I was with God. Let me pray. God, you are amazing that you speak to us. You didn't need to speak. You didn't need to speak uh, anything into existence, let alone a word that was written by your command is handed down to us. We thank you for your word. God, we confess that we do not delight in your word enough. We don't meditate upon your word enough. We forget your word. We don't fix our eyes on your word. And God, because of that, we sin against you. We wander and we are impure. So God, we are asking, even today, as we see this word, we see the encouragement, the blessing, the, the, the praise that comes to you out of this kind of life. We pray that you would do it in us, that your word, even as we um, intake it this week, that it would do something to transform our delights, our affections, that we would see the, the weaknesses in our own lives, the temptations, the sins. God, we don't want to be that person who is impure, who is sinning against you, and who's wandering, because we know that doesn't glorify you, and you deserve better. So God, we're asking that you would um, transform us and even to transform the way we view and cherish your word this week. Would you do that for us? In Christ's name, amen.